Welcome to another edition of Two Irish Guys Discussing Software. We are here today, episode 22. It is February 2021. Brendan Walsh, myself, Tomas O'Leary. Hello, Brendan. Hello, Tomas. Good afternoon. Good morning, morning. good afternoon. Well, it's afternoon our time. We'll be confused sometimes. Because we talk to people around the world, what day of the week it is, what time of the day it is. Yeah. Well, it's it's thrown me anyway because this podcast is on a Monday, and we we never do it on a Monday. Yeah, what happened there? I don't know. Never do this again. Yeah, no, bad it, idea. It, bad idea. It means you know, there's a lot of. Well, do you know we're going today is going to be an outstanding topic. This is a great topic. Yeah. We're going to solve the mega vendor branding crisis. Oh, great! We are going to give them solutions that they've never heard of before because we have the man joining us in about mm-hmm. fifteen minutes' time. Fabian Gerhalter, he is a genius when it comes to marketing. He's going to be all the way from Los Angeles. Can't wait to get talking to him. He has his own consultancy practice out there, which I'll a little bit more about him later on. But he is a author of several books and he is the man. He is yeah. the man when it comes to branding. So I can't wait to have a chat with him. Well, uh, there's many companies out there with a crisis. So and it, I, as we got a job for life. And as we always <laughs> say, IBM, if you are listening, yeah, and Oracle, if you are listening, and SAP and Mike, all of them, they need to t- they need to t- listen to the show. I, I think every one of them this week because there's no good story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's been happening? There's actually quite a lot been going on, you know. So, uh, so I better get to it. <laughs> no, no, no. Can I? Can I? Can I just tell you something yeah. though? Um, um, if I lose my mind during this show, mm. there's a reason for it. Yeah. It's it's Lent, as you know. Those of you in the Christian Catholic faith, but remember, it's Lent, and I had to, I, under pressure from my wife and children. We have a little mm-hmm. competition at home now because we're all obviously oh, yeah, you're five days hanging out. Lent. Yeah, well, is it only five? I think I think it, oh, started no. on Ash, it started on Ash Wednesday. Oh God! Remember, Joe Biden had the ash on his head. Yeah, and the news reporters and some of the news reporters and, and actually it was in the UK, not the US, were wondering had he had a fall. <laughs> Because the dent, you know, the, the seemingly looking like the bruise on his forehead. I didn't, I didn't hear that one. And then the lady goes, I, I, I forgot I'm a good Catholic. It's Ash Wednesday. You know, she had to come back afterwards. But anyway. Well, I, I have a problem because yeah. I've given up coffee. And I was checking out yeah. symptoms of, of yeah. ca- ca- you know, yeah, so you're yeah. suffering from caffeine withdrawal symptoms. The shakes. The shakes. Yeah. Uh, memory loss. Right. Uh, headaches. <laughs> oh, uh, fever. Uh, yeah. The list went on. Don't tell me you're going to have to carry. This I think podcast. I think you're going to have to be tested for something before we leave the room here. <laughs> well, I didn't give up anything. Oh, so I feel great. I started. Well, I haven't started. I've committed to walking every day, which isn't great because I'm not, anyway. Are you not watching Netflix still? Uh, trying to cut back on that, but no commitments to any of that. Yeah. Just committing to do you, walking. Do you know I did actually start watching one? I watched the Narcos Mexico in oh, the yeah. first lockdown, yeah. and I've been looking to watch another one. So I started you know, the other day. The original Narcos <laughs> is a Lenten promise. <laughs> I started the original Narcos, but you know what the basic thing is? I was sort of thinking, you know, the way there's a link with these. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Right? Do you know what we were talking about the link between the profit margins of the drug trade. And the profit <laughs> margins of Pablo Escobar, uh, Pablo Escobar, yeah. and the uh, the the profit margins of the big mega vendors and their support. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, they're not as good. <laughs> they're yeah. not as good. 
apparently they only make 90% in the drug trade and you know there's a so they're Samarical and SAP beat them by about 2 or 3% yeah, yeah. There any stories about our good friends IBM IBM uh, we usually start with a few stories in there we, we do we do we normally start with IBM or, or you know working from home or COVID or what's happening in that world but uh, yeah we can start with IBM I mean the, the rumour mills are out again but I think rather than being rumour IBM is going to make some changes in how it treats its customers normally it does this quite fairly, doesn't it? Normally treats its customers fairly. Uh, that, well, you B- tell you builds, tell me. Builds trust and relationships. <laughs> is that what we talk about? But no, they're cutting their their customer groups from fifty valued customer groups down to two. Oh, yeah. Now that I don't means know what that's, that's you good. Want to be in. That's, is that good? Uh, well, it depends what bucket you're in. So, from what we read, there's going to be one group mm-hmm. which has five hundred customers in it will have a kind of a dedicated and business and technical expert assignments to them so it'll be easier for to do business with them but if you're not in the 500 which presumably is the top 500 in the world yeah then you're in the other bucket which is everybody else wow yeah do you know actually this is very interesting do you know uh, my friend from forester research andrew bartles do you remember him i do i do he's a researcher in new york city i spoke to him what are we there 2021 Three years ago, four years ago, he made a prediction mm-hmm. that actually IBM would be a company that would only sell to the top 1,000 companies mm-hmm. in the world, maybe yeah. 500 yeah, companies maybe in the world. Sense. Yeah. So actually, that's not a bad prediction on his yeah, part. So it looks, yeah. looks like that's what's going to happen there. Well, look, I mean, if you look at what they're doing with their the money they're spending on cloud and, and AI, maybe maybe only the top 1,000 spenders can afford the technology are, are right for the picking. But that means that there's going to be I don't know, you know the numbers better than I do, 19,000 other customers. Who well, there's been hundreds of thousands, actually, thousands, globally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots of... buy their legacy, you know, software, but depending on them, and they won't have dedicated sales teams to talk to. Mm. So, you know, it's going to lead to dissatisfaction. I mean, if you want to talk to an IBM or about, you know, solutions and software and services, who do you go talk to if you don't have a, a client exec team and you're not in the top 500? So You might talk to Nuco. You might talk to <laughs> you might you probably won't, uh, but if you knew who to talk to, you go you you might. But but let's come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What else is going on? So you know the world of IBM has been shrinking. So you mentioned Nuco. So they sold off what, mm. a quarter of their business, a quarter of their revenue. Yeah, uh, ninety thousand ninety thousand employees, and put them into something called Nuco. But they're also selling off some other parts of the business. So they're selling off Watson Health. Oh, so we know Ginny's gone, but uh, this was one of Ginny's strategic imperatives. And she's noted to have said some years back uh, when she launched kind of the strategic imperative that it's real, it's mainstream, and it's here. This was the computer that won Jeopardy. Jeopardy. And they said, we'll get it off the TV shows and we'll we'll cure... Like global, global diseases. <laughs> yeah. Where is yeah. it now? Where is it now? <laughs> well, we have COVID-19. Well, it tried to. It got involved in numerous, I think, up to 50 different strategic partnerships and imperatives with a whole range of didn't have a didn't they have a fallen out with one? Did they do some huge investment with some yeah, very one high? Of their, yeah, one of their early ones was was MD Anderson uh, yeah, so Cancer they're, Center. They're a pretty well well established, yeah, well respected yeah. organization. Um, yeah. So they got into a kind of a I guess a partnership, a collaboration around oncology. They poured about sixty two million of their own funds into that, uh, and that ends up getting getting shelved or getting canned. But as have most of the other fifty imperatives <sighs> that they had ongoing. So they haven't really found a home for it. It doesn't seem to have worked very well. It didn't match the company's hype. I think what happened was, and this is 
again, a good topic for the show, is that they started with the product. Yeah. Then they launched it, marketing hype, but they haven't really built it. Yeah. You know, and they haven't really tested it. So they kind of went with the hype before the reality. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're still struggling because they just don't have the thing tuned enough. Uh, they did spend $4 billion as well, uh, kind of hoovering up oh. various companies and analytics platforms including 2.6 billion on Truven Health Analytics in 2016 and I guess they hoped it would be as they said a strategic solution for the future it'd be interesting to see what they get for that I mean when you look at this because it's good to have Fabian on Mm. later in in a while because what's happening here and we've talked about a a few other instances where organisations have tried to get involved in health Mm. and it's obviously it's everywhere now Mm, with with COVID and some of them very very well out of it but some have had a disaster. You know, you were telling me earlier, there's a story about Microsoft. They had some story. Yeah, well, like, I mean, obviously health is such a huge sector. The spend globally is so yeah. big that it would make sense that you'd be you'd get involved in it in some form or other. Yeah. You'd direct your AI technology to, for clinical treatments or so forth. But at a very much more basic level, uh, it's very hard to find bad news story about Microsoft we've tried to for months but we found one yeah so they're getting slammed basically for their their booking system which is their vaccination management platform which is built on the back of Microsoft Dynamics the CRM tool which we know quite well and this has been a major focus for Microsoft uh, kind of packaging industry specific cloud software so health has been a big one for them but they've had problems with their their deployment of their vaccination management platform in New Jersey just hasn't worked. It's been going through kind of rounds of testing, weeks and weeks of bug issues, uh, issues being been reported by New Jersey. They've had kind of uh, blocked users, lost registrations, double bookings, people turning up who haven't been booked for vaccinations, people who haven't turned up who should have been there. So it's been a real cause of concern for New Jersey. But there's a company like Microsoft who we look at and say, <coughs> They've because they're notorious for years. Their software, I mean, it's control all to eat is what we all. Mm. You know, the thing doesn't work. You reboot. You start again. Mm. They've spent decades with technology that's not really worked all mm. the time, mm. and yet as a brand, they are very still a hugely strong brand. I mean, I wonder, you know, can can these things. Can these things damage their brand? It'll be an interesting question to ask later on. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, it looks like it's kind of damaging in the in the near term because of the fact they've had these pro- problems and, mm. and New Jersey has literally had to rel- go back to rely on its kind of county and hospital-orientated websites. I mean, basically, it's using really basic technology to book, yeah. to book people in, which is working, and they can't get their system developed that's developed in Microsoft and Dynamics working. And there's a big difference between actually not being able to actually write a letter or do a spreadsheet and someone actually potentially Oh, yeah, dying. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, so the consequences are much bigger. Mass, you know, yeah, like yeah. a P1 issue is somebody doesn't get a vaccine as yeah. opposed to my letter won't print. But the immediate consequences is some of the other states that were going to use the platform are now backing off. So, you know, most re- in the last few days I read that, you know, Iowa is backing out of its plans to use the software. So, yeah, that's a, there's, a, there's a brand kind of damage there. Wow, okay. Yeah. Any, uh, any Anything else going on with Microsoft these days? I heard there was something with, there was a bit of a row with Slack, is there? Was a bit of a Slack, Slack. Was forward. Yeah, there. so Slack, as we know, which was acquired by by Salesforce for kind of twenty five billion there just in, before the new year. So uh, they're in a bit of a kind of fiery exchange with uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. And basically, they're saying Microsoft are basically saying, you know, if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't be here because we allowed them to deploy Slack, you know, without any impediments, without any kind of development licenses 
on our technology on Microsoft essentially since 2003 and they're basically saying they wouldn't have been, they wouldn't be here without us and meantime Slack is saying you know basically that well that's not true uh, what they're doing actually is that you know bundling its own teams technology yeah. you know, into its Microsoft office you know 365 and they filed complaints with the European Commission and they're saying maybe should they they should focus on their own kind of antitrust and anti-competitive behavior yeah. um, and the bundling of its Slack platform, which they're saying is they're doing that to, to prevent the adoption of Slack by giving away their competing tools for free, uh, that maybe they should watch their own back. Uh, so there's a bit of a, a spat between right. the two companies going on at the moment, which is quite fun. You know, it's not all good news for Satchet. Any any earnings? Anybody making any money? Uh, I, not this not this quarter. Not, nothing major. Our, our kind of main mega vendors. We will see something probably in the next podcast. The only thing that that that's out there, I thought, is a company we don't usually talk about, which is Cisco. So they're an infrastructure play, but they do have uh, WebEx. So lots of people use WebEx. People use Teams. People use other. You know, uh, I've just mentioned there's lots of competing platforms out there. They have about 600 million concurrent users on WebEx. So it's a big platform, but they're struggling. They've had a fifth quarter of declining revenue and they're down year on year. They're still at kind of, you know, near almost 12 billion a quarter, but it's down. The revenues are down slightly. So they just don't seem to have had that kind of post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, you know, thrust in their in their mm. share price that the likes of uh, Zoom have and Teams had and the and the, and the yeah. increased adoption. I think their infrastructure business is kind of underperforming and it's not really being supported by their kind of applications business. So just an interesting kind of view on what's yeah. going on in yeah. some of the other... Some of the, but we'll come back to our other friends uh, on future podcasts. Yeah, no, and I, I saw as well, remember my prediction that China would get involved in regulation? Mm. Did you see that there? So they have already come out three months after some of their antitrust laws. They have um, they want to root out monopolistic practices in the internet industry. Um, so they announced some guidelines, some draft guidelines only a while ago. So they now have some rules. Right. So they go from guidelines to rules. That that sort of thing would take probably in the US and Europe several years. Yeah. To come, in a, go from, in a, in from a democratic from, society. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're moving really, really quickly. Obviously, we know Jack Ma's Alibaba has lost 130 billion of its market cap wow. as an indirect consequence. Mm. And, you know, he disappeared for a period of time as well. He's only, and uh, mm. we've seen he's been around, but. Mm. Not very much. <laughs> so I want, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah. you know, t- take that on. I mean, you look at what's going on. Obviously, we saw what was going on with Google and Facebook in the US mm-hmm. and indeed AWS, and Amazon and Apple, the big guys, the antitrust activity. Mm-hmm. You see what's happening in Australia with Google mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, sorry, I'd rather should say there. Facebook, but also Google was threatened and then Facebook and then there's a big row between the Prime Minister of Australia mm-hmm. and Facebook at the moment. And there's a bit of a back down going to happen. Google already kept back down. Down. And mm. so that's kind of a crazy story. We had some good news here in Europe. European uh, parliaments voted by 574 votes to 22 for a um, the Circular Economy Action Plan. And this is actually going to enshrine the right to repair in the technology space. Excellent. It's going to remove things like forced obsolescence. It's going to change some rules around that now. Mm. There's always workarounds people can have in that space. And it's going to focus in on the software space as a particular area, which is obviously right. something we like to talk about arts, as, yeah. as two Irish guys. <laughs> but listen, yeah. I, I think you're going to see Governments are going to get involved in these things. I mean, we saw before Christmas governments getting involved or the President of the United States getting involved and trying to try and get TikTok getting bought by Oracle, which was, I think it's dead in the water at this it, point it, in time. It looks like it's not happening yet, or a deal that's on life support at least. Yeah, yeah. I think a change in the 
you know, change the administration and their approach to, to these things uh, has slowed it down. So I mean, it's crazy anyway, yeah, totally crazy. I mean, I saw also as well recently the Microsoft buying Pinterest. I mean, Microsoft possibly buying Pinterest. Yeah, mooted, mooted interest. Fifty-one billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, well, they probably chose bad timing to to invest in Pinterest, which whose stock price and, and you know share price has soared during the pandemic. Obviously, with the, the increase in users and people in, more interested in home furnishings and stuff like that, and home. Home, home care but yeah that might put that might dampen their enthusiasm uh, given the share price but yeah. again you'd wonder I mean I, I can see why you know they might be you know opting to look at that I'm not sure about the, the the Oracle TikTok one the Pinterest one is maybe they want to have it running on the resort platforms and, and uh, you know capture the information that comes out of it but yeah a little bit unclear well Maybe we might help could get things a little bit clearer for some of this branding question we were, t- mm. we were touching on earlier on because we're going to get uh, Fabian in here. Fabian is someone we both have a little bit of experience with recently. He is the brand guru. He's originally from Vienna in Austria. He went to LA apparently by accident, <laughs> set up his own business. They went through the success of that and then some problems in his own business, started to leave that, wrote a book. And wrote several books since, wrote a book called How to Launch a Brand. He's now runs a niche consulting business focused totally on brands. He's worked with companies such as Marriott International, Warner Brothers, Match Group. It's interesting one. Honeywell, Kaplan and Randstad here in Europe. And uh, he also helped us recently. I thought he'd be an excellent guest to focus in on. And we might just pick up Fabian. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Where are you? Are you at home? I assume you are in Los Angeles. I'm in the home studio in LA, yes. Well, welcome to our show. Um, you probably heard us there talking about a few topics related to some of the mega vendors, as we do. We'd look at stories. But um, I'd like to, the last topic we were talking there about, and we've, we've been confused, myself and Brendan, we've had, chatted since TikTok was, was let's call it, forced to be sold, or the U.S. arm of TikTok was being forcibly sold, and Oracle stepped in as a kind of a very unusual buyer. And then I read recently in the Financial Times that there was talk of Microsoft buying Pinterest. And I always wonder, from a pure branding perspective, I mean, I can understand there's lots of reasons, but branding, you know, Pinterest is a strong brand in a certain segment, TikTok clearly is a strong brand amongst a certain age cohort. Why would companies like Oracle want to buy TikTok? And is there, is there nothing, maybe it's nothing to do with brand or and Microsoft buying Pinterest if they ever ended up doing that? Well, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you guys. It's super, it's super fascinating. Um, you know, the Oracle deal, that was a whole different thing. I mean, it was uh, quote unquote, a national emergency, if you remember, <laughs> to get, uh, to get, uh, to get the uh, TikTok uh, purchased, you know, for, from a branding perspective, consumer tech is sexy, right? You know, that's for sure. So it can suddenly make a company that may not be known for, you know, radical innovation or, you know, customer experience. It can suddenly make them feel very progressive, right? With with just one acquisition. So, I mean, that's from a branding side, but I mean, you guys already talked about how communities are so big right now, right? Um, I mean, it's like everyone's flocking online to, to you know, to, to have their community. 
so the idea of running those communities on the mega vendors cloud computing platforms is just a huge opportunity right and then i mean thinking about the data game which quite frankly branding has a lot to do with data these days too right because i mean that's we're all in the data game and the amount of data that you can get out of that um is just unbelievable look i mean you know we 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 had a big shift here in the us and um you know let's see with with the new uh, president you know how many of those mega deals will actually go through right uh, that's going to be interesting to see in the next in the next half year and is it are they tend to do they tend to be successful if a legacy not well known brand or or maybe known in the business world or a niche world buys a better known brand it, it, do, do, are there successful synergies there? Because what often happens with these acquisitions is the brand sometimes disappears. The brand that's more powerful can sometimes disappear. Well, and and that's just uh, that's just idiotic, right? When you think about it, <laughs> you know, when when that happens, right? When 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 the big guys swallow up the the well known you know brand that could, but then they just they just kind of like get rid of the brand. Um, you know what I see being successful most of the times when a company when when a brand is acquired and they basically let that brand leadership intact, they let them run the company the way they ran the company before. They just put all the resources behind them, right? That's when basically there's a big press release. And maybe, you know, like 1% of people even know about it, right? And other than that, all the users, they don't care. I mean, they care maybe for like a week, but afterwards, they don't care if it's Microsoft behind it or Oracle. They just love TikTok. They just love Pinterest, right? They, they're going to they're gonna stick around. They don't see a change. And a lot of it has to do with the culture within the, those organizations, right? I mean, the culture within mega vendors is so different than the culture in a startup. And if those two clash, literally clash, then it's really difficult for those brands to actually survive, for those, you know, acquired brands to survive. Okay, so you're what you're talking about really here is that they could they could let leave the organization that a brand and has have it as a, a separate entity, but if they don't ring fence the cultural aspect, it'll just be a name and a logo, and in a very short space of time, it won't be the, it won't mean the same thing because because they, they're not going to. The essence of branding is not just a logo, and and we and we know this. Haven't worked with you. We understand this very very well. And and, and I've 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 listened to your podcast, and I've I've uh, I've started reading your book by the way as well. I got my hands on one. I can see it's much much more than just a symbol. Set a, a set of letters. It's it's much much deeper than that, isn't it? Well, it really is. And uh, thanks. I'm glad to hear that you're listening to the to the show and reading the book. <laughs> That's awesome. So, look, I mean, branding is everything, and it comes from within, right? So it comes from leadership, and 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 then and then culture is being formed, and whatever whatever that culture is. If that culture is innovative, progressive, right? We can do this. If if everyone sticks together, if there's a certain value that they share with their users, all of that comes out. If a company is being gobbled up, right? And then the next thing you know is two cultures are being forced together, right? And then leadership is immediately changed in the new company that they, they acquired. Um, you know, I mean, that rubs off and people can feel that, right? Because the brand changes, suddenly gets more corporate, suddenly, you know, that heart and soul. And I know that sounds a little bit cheesy, right? But that heart and soul of a company, of a brand, that's what 
that's what people can feel. That's what people love, right? It might it might be subliminal, but you get it, right? Like you get certain messages from the app. You get you get a certain way that they behave, that they shift. You know what kind of uh, features they have and how they talk to you. That changes, and once that changes, that's a real problem. And again, you know the, the smart companies that acquire a brand that people love, they basically don't touch the brand. They just leave these people do what they do well. That's why they wanted to acquire them in the first place, right? They might do backend stuff, right? Like back office stuff. They, they, they shift the platform and do things like that. But for the consumer, nothing is felt, but suddenly there's more money in it, meaning greater features, you know, more stuff coming out and they're excited about it. I mean, that's that's how it should be done. Yeah, because we, we, one of the things we talk about here and just, just to focus in on the mega vendors here, we talk regularly about the, some of the stories we hear on the ground and the information we see in the read in the press about activities like really bad activities that you would say oh god i want to be careful how we like auditing you know we had one out only recently the mega vendors auditing hospitals for software deployment during the pandemic um (laughs) there's some that's the most recent one i mean unbelievable things you'd say why would you even try to do that and yet they seem to do and this goes on it's gone on for years um, I mean, after the last recession in 2008, we had within two years, we had Pierce McDonald on the show recently, and he was telling us that within two years, the auditing of big firms who were, had, had serious financial challenges had gone through the roof. So they're going in to audit the software deployed to see were they in compliance. Um, when they know they've got all sorts of tricks of the trade to catch them out and they're going to catch them out because they just can't know the rules. And yet they seem to continue this kind of process and their brands, in my mind, is badly damaged, really badly damaged, but they seem to continue doing business. There's obviously a disconnect between brand and, and, and business, clearly, at the end of the day, isn't there? Well, I mean, look, it's it, well, first of all, I love that they're being audited more and more because it just makes so much sense, right? Because today's today's customers, and, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter if you're talking about a mega vendor and their B2B clients, right? They are customers too. They are people living today, right? They they sense how companies should interact with 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 clients. I mean, look, it, it's all about clarity. It's all about transparency. It's all about shared values today with, with the companies that people really love. And the mega vendors, they kind of, it's it's really difficult for them to start portraying that because they weren't intrinsically born out of belief, right? And now there's thousands of employees. It's difficult. It's difficult to switch that over. So, you know, but sooner or later, if you don't act according to the best interests of your customers, you're going to lose market share, right? Sooner or later. With the mega vendors, it takes longer. And I mean, look, I, you know, I, I listened, I listened to the show a couple of times too, just, just to prep for this and to understand your industry uh, better too. And it's just unbelievable, the stories that you're talking about, right? I mean, people being locked into 30-year contracts, right? It's like it's like 10-inch thick contracts that you can never even decipher. Mm-hmm. And of course, within those 30 years or whatever it is now, right, you basically created a mini monopoly. And we know what happens in a monopoly. You can play by your own rules, right? And so until a company really feels that pain, I mean, it's, it's really, quote unquote, it's abuse in a way, right? So how long can you take abuse? And I think now because of what is happening in the brand uh, landscape, 
outside of the mega vendors, where all these companies talk about transparency, some even about radical transparency, right? You know, they're fashion companies that show this is how much it costs us to buy a certain garment. And this is why you, we sell it to you for this much. And this is the profit. And this is where the profit goes, right? All of this stuff is, is such huge contrast to those mega vendors. But people live in the now and they feel that. And so I think that making them accountable is going to happen more and more. And I think uh, it's going to shift. You know, I don't know if they're going to shift or if people are going to shift to other vendors, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, they could see it already. We could see it within, take take the IBM example. I mean, IBM have, have tried to sell off parts of the business and I mean, all these companies are always, they're always acquiring new companies, but they tend to be quite small. But when they make a change, like I mean, IBM made a massive announcement recently to carve out their whole managed services and outsourcing business and data center business into a new company. And this is, this happened about three, four months ago, more. And they still haven't got a name for the company. So they're calling it Nuco. And I just wonder, uh, with, your, with your branding hat on, if you were to walk into the exec, senior executives of IBM today, what would you say to them about, is that a wise decision? To leave a name of a company un- un- unknown, it's like maybe you're having a child, a son or a daughter, and just not giving them a name for several months. It's, yeah. and it's, it's, just, not a, it's not a small portion. Well, a, we we would call it newborn. Yeah, it's a twenty billion dollar business with ninety thousand employees, still called Nuco. What's going on? I mean, it, it it provides me with so much joy. This entire story because it, it's just so perplexing that that actually happens, right? So, you know, we we work with companies to give them new names, right? And, you know, and, and naming is a process. It's a science. It's an art. It, it, it's an art that takes time, right? I get it. You know, there are huge global trademark issues that they have to figure out when they give, you know, a, a gigantic company like that a new name. But hey, I mean, that's how the sausage is made. Don't invite them into the sausage factory, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. Nuco is the way that we name companies before they have a name, right? That's internal. That's what we do with the client to basically create pressure. It's still called Nuco. Here, here are the new names, you know, pick one, right? But, but it's internal. It's internal so we all can prep for the day where we can announce Nuco. What happened, what happened in IBM's case, which is hilarious, um, is that they just kept Nuco. Um, and he said, look, because we're an ocean liner and we can't move that quickly, it's going to take us a mighty long time to actually really have that company launched because everything is also political, right? <laughs> Even though a name can be created in weeks, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, it, it's not a problem. They just said, look, let's keep Nuco because we need to announce the name. Uh, and by the end of 21, we're most probably going to have the company and the name that goes with it. But what a marketing disaster. I read their press release last night um, as I was prepping for our show, you know, to, to kind of like start talking about this kind of issue. So they wrote verbatim. And I mean, imagine anyone putting that out in a press release. Nuco is a trusted partner to the world's most global enterprises. It's like, come on, you can't read this without just laughing. It's like, no, Nuco isn't a trusted partner to the world's most global enterprise. It doesn't even exist yet. It has a name called Nuco. It's it, it's just it just kind of shows what's wrong with that this portraying of something that literally does not exist yet. Hence, it has the name Nuco. So it's it, it's really it's it makes me laugh. It's 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 it's, it's, it's great entertaining a for a brand guy. Do you think they had a workshop where they all? Do you think they had a workshop, Fabian, where they all sat around going, "Okay, what's our value proposition going to be?" Well, let's start with Nuco. You know, it's a trusted. Oh, like nobody says that. 
They've also got a new CEO and they still don't have a brand. I mean, what's going on? See, this is what happens, right? A new CEO comes in and they're just like, no, we can't wait. Let's do things. I need to show that I'm already, you know, I, I need to show, you know, results immediately. I need to show that I'm already moving things, even though I'm not moving them until end of this year. So I think a lot of that new co-business is most probably self-inflicted by the CEO saying, you know what, I, you know, let's, let's just run with it. I need to show that things are changing for the shareholders. But when they come out eventually then with their new name and their new brand, they're going to probably have adjusted taglines, possibly. I would imagine they'll do the proper exercise. How impactful is that brand going to be? Or how, perhaps how much more money are they going to have to spend to reverse the kind of damage that they've done? I mean, because at the end of the day, everyone who knows the company is going to call it Newco for the next year. And they're going to give it some name in a year's time or less. And what are we going to? How, what's what from a branding perspective? Surely that's going to cost them cost them a fortune to fix. But but do you think that's a problem? Spending money, <laughs> IBM. <laughs> well, I, well, I do actually. In in for this particular business, yeah. While it has a very high turnover, it's not very profitable business. And this is it's been a declining business for many years. And it's they have long term contracts there that keep the revenue high. But it's not a, we will soon see how profitable it actually is. But it, this business is, is in a space where it's highly labor intensive. It used, and, to be, it used to be a $45 billion business and now it's $25 billion. So it's declined by $20 billion in about 10 years, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be probably, by, by next year it could be sub $20 billion. So mm. these contracts are falling off. So I don't know if they have the sort of, I mean, given this, the, the breadth of you know, geographies they've got to cover, um, maybe they can, but but still going to cause some damage, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the the big problem is that it was marketers talking to marketers talking to 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 C C suite, right? Saying, "Oh, Newco is just something that everyone uses before there's a name, right?" But it's not being used publicly. So I think that people on the other end um, see Newco as literally the name, right? Because it's in the press release, they talk about it for a good half year, maybe more. So Newco will be ingrained in people's minds as, "Oh, yeah." That's IBM's new offshoot, right? It's Newco. Um, even though marketers and you know all of us, we know that's you know it's just a placeholder. For them to make the transition into the actual name, absolutely, it will be expensive. It will be confusing. It will take time, and it's just definitely not a way to launch a new brand in 2021. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> they should have got. They should have had you in, Fabian. They should have had you in. Yeah. Can I bring you back over to the topic? Another topic we discuss regularly is this, and we touched on it earlier. We talked about the some of the antitrust or other inquiries that happen, and indeed, what's happening in Australia at the moment with Facebook. Um, what happened before Christmas with all of the major tech uh, tech tech firms, Apple. Google, or, or I should say Alphabet, um, uh, Amazon and um, Facebook were all brought in front of the House Committee on, on um, uh, for competition in the US. And this is, seems to be happening more and more. Uh, organizations that, I mean, te- you know, five, six, seven years ago had really, really strong brands and still have very strong brands, no question. How did they go about protecting i mean they can't help the situation they're in a big they're a big organization they're going to get called in front of these committees how do they protect their brand 
through that process? What do they go? What should they be going back? Is it do they go back to the original work that they did? Do they need to create a new version of the brand, or what? What can they do to protect themselves? Well, I mean, to protect themselves, uh, they they shouldn't screw up, right? I mean, that's a big thing, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, to protect themselves, yeah. they have to they have to be, you know, honest in you know in in the beginning, right? So at this point, it's more about how do you reverse the brand damage that has already been done, right? What what already has been in, inflicted, and you know, I mean, look on, on the one hand, you know, be be truthful, right? Try to kind of like go back to why you exist as a company, right? And I, I believe it was with Facebook where this do no harm, right? And that's and that's really backfiring quick. And you saw that with uh, with Robin Hood too, right? Like how the whole idea of Robin Hood backfired quickly because they have a certain kind of mantra and copy line that everyone has deeply ingrained in in their psyche, and then suddenly they do something that acts exactly, you know, the opposite way, right? So that is obviously a huge problem. So I don't even think they need to redo anything um, of what they initially wrote into their, like, this is the book of our brand. Um, they just need to go back to, to, to living those values. Right. And it's really difficult. I mean, the bigger a company gets, the more difficult that is, um, you know, based on, based on internal politics, based on, you know, going public or shareholders expectations and all of that stuff. Right. Um, but companies can do it the right way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's the best way, but then, I mean, look at Nike, right? So Nike is one of those interesting companies where we all, we all, you know, overarchingly, we kind of love them, right? Um, because they always bring out really cool stuff. They do these campaigns every now and then where we feel like, oh, this is really heartfelt. But it, it was interesting. It was, it was two years ago, um, not two years, I think it was 2018, where Nike was actually in trouble for a hot second. Um, they had some some inequality in the workplace issue, right? Yeah. And it kind of blew up, at least here on the West Coast. Um, and I remember seeing people walking on the streets. People, I saw one person, but it was really hilarious. He had a Nike shirt on, but the swoosh, the Nike swoosh was upside down. And below it says, just don't. <laughs> and, and I'm like, wow. I mean, things are happening quickly, right? I mean, they, they're in trouble and people are already acting. And then literally overnight, the Colin Kipanik, um, you know, ad came out, you know, where, you know, obviously it, it was the slogan, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And that was, that was like the biggest viral campaign that Nike most probably ever had, right? And suddenly overnight, everyone had talked about the ads and about, oh my God, Nike stands for something. Nike is amazing. We love that brand. So, you know, I think, you know, until you can actually really change how a company behaves, you can take a page out of the Nike playbook, which is really amazing. And I am not saying it's truthful all the way, right? Because they're basically, they, maybe they got really lucky where they had, they had a PR issue, but then instead of, instead of fumbling around like, like Mark Zuckerberg does with Facebook of like, I'm, I'm really trying to find words and it's been half a year and I'm still trying to find words, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, yeah. what Nike does is they just do a very public campaign that is very truthful for something else, right? And so so that kind of like shifts the consumer mindset. So they have to work very hard at that then. That's not an e that's not an easy thing to do. It would be quite quite a challenging thing to do. You can't just like to 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 keep your brand for a, a kind of constant and to keep it uh, true, to stay true to your brand. That isn't that that, that must be hard and particularly as you get bigger. And if you, from what I'm hearing here, you're, if you let people get in to your organization and create a culture that's counter what your brand might have been before or where you, or where you started from, it can be very, very difficult to reverse. 
And that's exactly it. And I think that uh, that we hear more and more, you know, you know, long gone are the stories of the amazing cafeterias at you know the big tech companies and how cool it is. And 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 now we hear what's actually happening behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that strangely happens at the same time where these companies get into you know really large issues, right? And so I always I always feel that. When you look inside of a company, um, you get a really good sense of how truthful their product and their service really is to the consumer. Um, and that's why, you know, like having spent some time with you guys too, right? It's like, it's it's, it's beautiful because I can see what's other, happening on the inside is reflected on the outside, right? And that's that to me is is just is just a really good indication that a brand is going into the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we really enjoyed the the workshop we did with you. It was a, it was a fascinating experience and uh as 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 our new cmo would say you are a super amazing brand guy <laughs> very very german and austrian <laughs> but genuinely we you worked some magic with us and we really have appreciated it and uh Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts on what the mega vendors can do to help improve their brand. I hope, as I said earlier, I hope they're listening. And thank you for joining us early in the morning, LA time. Absolutely. My pleasure. This was great. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks, Fabian. That was another fascinating conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Super and amazing. <laughs> I had to say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very German of you and very yeah. Austrian of you. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, what a guy. Uh, he knows his stuff. He's been around the block. And uh, I can tell you now, I think our mega vendors definitely should start, start listing. Yeah. Well, they need some help. They do. But we're done. Are we done? Another show. We'll have to come back. Oh, we'll come back. Yeah. Give us a few weeks. We'll come back next next month. Yeah, I think we have a new guest. We might be back to some of the we might come back to some of the old topics and see where we're at with maybe we might look at software audits of one of those things, you know. Yeah, well they don't go away. They don't go away, yeah. no. We will, just for the moment. We'll be back. On point. But yeah, looking forward to the next one. And that was that was a good one. And I think I think our, our audience will definitely benefit from listening to Fabian on that. Yeah. yeah so Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks to you, Brendan. Thank you very much. Thanks for the audience for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.